Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color, tune in Mondays at 12 New Eastern Standard Time as Deborah Hardnett, CEO of Deborah Hardnett International and founder of The Professional Black Woman, showcase the triumphant journeys of these powerful sisters. You will be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278. Today's broadcast is brought to you by www.wealthysisters.com, where the show can be heard 24 hours a day. And now your host, Deborah Hardnett. Sponsored by the Professional Black Woman. You can visit us at www.thepbw.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color, and our purpose is twofold. First, we want to inspire and encourage you, the listener, and second, we need to edify, promote, acknowledge, or just say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., on the Blog Talk Worldwide Network. Today is Monday, my goodness, August 30th, 2010, and I hope you you are as excited about your future as I am because it is very, very bright. We are here every week at the same time, Mondays at 12 noon Eastern, so go and spread the good news. Now, you know what we have to say, all of our listeners who've been tuning in with us for a while, you know we started this slogan at the first of the year, so before we go any further, we need each and every one of you to join us with our slogan. It's very simple, but it is true. Here's to 2010, the best year ever. Okay, you got to Say it with us now. Come on, let's do it right. Say it like you mean it, like you know it, with every fiber in your being. Here's to 2010, the best year ever. That's right. We are declaring that to be so. Now, you know what? There are several questions that we want to pose to our audience today. Now, do you really think your health affects your wealth or you know, someone else has posed the question that the lack of wealth can really affect your health. <laughs> That's true as well, we say. Well, today, one of the leading causes of death is heart disease. It has especially been affecting women in alarming and increasing alarming numbers. What do you really know about heart disease and the symptoms that can sometimes be perceived as very subtle? Well, today, our very special guest will be sharing a holistic approach and answers to our previous questions. She is none other than one of the country's most sought-after cardiologists. Our guest today is Dr. Barbara Hutchison. So what we need each and every one of you to do is to call your friends. We need you to text them, email them. Get on Facebook, tweet them this message, tell them to dial the show today. This is a show that they do not want to miss. Our health is very important. Have them dial 347-838-9278. Again, that's 347-838-9278. Also, you can tune in live on the web at www.wealthy. Sisters, that's S-I-S-T-A-S dot com. And we encourage each and of every one of you all who haven't already to mark us as your favorite so that you can tune in to this show and also catch all of our other shows. You'll get a reminder message sent to you like an hour before. And you can also follow us on Facebook under Deborah Hartnett. You can follow us through Twitter with Deborah Hartnett or Wealthy Sisters. We are there, LinkedIn. We are live and on the net. So, again, we're so excited about this show. Let's learn who our special guest is today. Dr. Barbara Hutchison uh, is a native of Trinidad and Tobago, West Indies. She has been uh, in private practice for over 15 years. Since completing her cardiovascular training at the University of Maryland, Baltimore, Dr. Hutchison attended the University of Maryland School of Medicine, where she completed her internal medicine training and served as the first African-American chief medical resident. Prior to attending medical school, she received her Ph.D. from Howard University in cardiovascular pharmacology. She received her undergraduate medical education from the University of West in 
Cindy's Trinidad, and she even taught biology and chemistry prior to entering postgraduate training. Dr. Hutchison is currently the managing partner of Chesapeake Cardiac Care PA and is interested in management con- uh, congestive heart failure, coronary artery disease, hypertension, heart disease in women, and the effects of herbal supplement in heart disease. She is the treasure of one of the most prestigious organizations, which we are going to learn more about today, the Association of Black Cardiologists, and we are proud to announce that Dr. Hutchison is one of the featured panelists during our millionaire luncheon at the Winter Summit 2011. So what we need for each and every one of you to do, again, is to remind all of your friends who are not tuned in to dial 347-838-9278. We will take a short break and be back with none other than Dr. Barbara Hutchison. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Permal Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2009. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. Yes, I'm here. Hello there. Well, welcome. This is indeed an honor and a treat to have you on our show today. I am delighted to be um, on the show today, too. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We are not going to waste any time. We know that you are actually in the middle of visits and rounds with your patients today, so we do value your time. We're going to jump right into our show, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, we can hear that beautiful accent, and we read a little bit about you being from Trinidad and Tobago, West Indies. Tell us a little bit more about how you actually got started in cardiology and and your upbringing with someone in your family from the medical field and, and how you found that interest. Well, I think my interest in heart disease goes back to uh, my family. I noticed that uh, my father's side of the family had uh, lots of heart disease, while my mother's side of the family uh, seemed to be very healthy as a child growing up. And I was always very curious about why the big difference of course, I later realized that most of it came as a result of dietary, um, uh, the type of foods they ate. But that's where the, the interest first began. Uh, I would say, too, that my mother uh, was a nurse. My father was a teacher. And so growing up, even from a young age, uh, I was always used to healthy food preparation. Like I tell most people, I've never had the skin of the chicken in my life because <laughs> it wow. was always taken off, even uh, from a child. That's almost unbelievable. I know everybody's mouth is dry wide open. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> Somebody might have said, boy, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, that may be so, but, you know, the funny thing about it is if you've never been used to something, uh, it's it's often very difficult to develop a taste for it. Oh, that is so true because we're raising our daughter uh, vegetarian, and, and she's, of course, never had that as well. So her taste buds uh, will be quite different there as well. Now, you, you actually um, went to undergraduate school there on the island as well, and, and you 
taught biology and chemistry. Tell us about that. Right. I did my undergraduate training at the University of the West Indies in Trinidad, majoring in um, chemistry and biochemistry. Uh, once I left the University of, uh, of the West Indies, uh, my first job actually was a teacher at one of the now uh, claimed colleges there in Trinidad, St. Francois Girls College. Um, th- that's where I went to school, sorry. I, I started teaching at Signal Hill, a senior comprehensive in uh, Scarborough, Tobago. Uh, that's where I developed their, uh, started their chemistry lab and started teaching biology, chemistry, and mathematics. Following that, that's when I came abroad to Howard University to do a PhD in cardiovascular pharmacology because, like I said, based on my family uh, history, I just had a curiosity for heart disease, and so I always knew I wanted to be a cardiologist. And so I started off first by first studying all the drugs that are involved in the cardiovascular system, so I did cardiovascular pharmacology. That's what I studied at Howard University. Wow. And I know Howard has a strong program, um, of which we'll be talking about a little later, one of the honorees for the gala. Uh, right, Dr. Curry, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's that's powerful. So you came here and um, you actually did study, like you said, at the Howard University. Uh, and then from that point, what what was the next step for you? Uh, once I left, uh, while I was at Howard University, I also developed a curiosity there too for uh, research, cardiovascular research, and I did some of that at Howard University uh, with Dr. Randall, who's actually still there carrying the research uh, torch at Howard University. And as you know, in research there, uh, we always have problems where a lot of African Americans don't participate in research studies. Mm -hmm. So I did research there at Howard University. And following that, I went to the University of Maryland to begin my medical training. And that's where I did four years of medical school. Uh, Following medical school, I did my internal medicine training at the University of Maryland. And as you stated earlier, I was uh, the first African-American to be um, selected as the chief resident at the University of Maryland. Congratulations. Thank you. And I also completed my cardiology fellowship at the University of Maryland and went on to be an instructor there before uh, coming to Annapolis to be in private practice. Now, we're going to talk about your practice as well. You mentioned something about the research um, as far as African Americans are concerned. Why do you think that we are not as, um, I guess, readily available to do research. I think it's I think it's twofold. I think one, we have the sense or the feeling that we've been used as guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. And uh that's number one. And I think the 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 second part is just lack of education. Because mm-hmm. if we recognize that everything that we uh have available to us now that's helping us as African Americans, it was because of research that someone did before. And uh, it, it always helps if uh, African Americans are included in research because it means that a population that we look at then becomes a true population as opposed to one that's just skewed to one um, one group of, of patients. Right, right. That makes sense. I even think about, I guess, and we probably haven't even really talked about it, but the even the donor, organ donor piece right. there, I know mm-hmm. we have um, a lot of challenges with that as well. I guess right. it, it relates to the same, the education. And I think it goes back to education. And if we could mm-hmm. become more educated to understand that, how to learn how research actually helps us, uh, it's not against us. It's actually helping us because if we're included in these studies, it means when we look at the results from the studies and, you know, we can recognize that, yes, this is truly a therapy that can make a difference in uh, the lives of African Americans and the lives of Hispanics and the lives of Caucasians, everyone, including males and females. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know we, we kind of have talked offline about a lot of the challenges we face today as women, um, and I had the pleasure of, of attending one of the events that the Association of Black Cardiologists um, hosted last weekend. What Why do women actually have heart disease? And, and, and is a lot of it preventable? Well, uh, why do women have heart disease? Well, it's not that um, men don't have heart disease, but we. Right. Uh, the, the problem is, I think, why uh, women sometimes late uh, in getting treatment for heart mm-hmm. disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing could be, a lot of times as women, we take care of everyone else. We make sure the kids take, go to their appointments. We make sure that their the husbands are where they should be attending, you know, going to their doctor's appointment. And we often leave ourselves for the last or don't some, in some cases don't even uh, think we need to go. And so a lot of times by the time the women get to the doctor, it's often late. So you have a lot of late presentation uh, in women. But the same risk factors that uh, affect uh, heart disease in men is the same in women, which is things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, being overweight, being inactive, Smoking the same the same risk factors uh, affect mm-hmm. affect women. One thing, though, uh, that's often sometimes different in women compared to men is how the signs of underlying heart disease can present itself in women. We typically read in books that people who have heart problems or having a heart attack, they clutch forward, hold their chest, and they have chest pain. But sometimes in women, women may uh, never have chest pain. Uh, They could sometimes just have really, really uh, a lot of shortness of breath with any kind of exertion. They could sometimes have chest pressure, chest pain, and abdominal discomfort. Uh, what I often like wow, to tell abdominal. Uh, wow. abdominal discomfort. What I often like to tell women is, if you notice you have a symptom uh, when you're exerting yourself, uh, rushing around, doing things, and it goes away when you stop or when you rest, you need to bring that to the attention of the doctor, because it okay. could be chest pain. It could be shortness of breath. In some cases, I've heard of shoulder and neck discomfort. And okay. some I've heard of cases where people have had neck discomfort. Every time they walk, they have a neck pain, and it goes away. And they had five surgeries for neck discomfort, and the pain oh. never went away. All because it was never a neck problem, it was a heart problem. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Mm. Wow. Neck and shoulder, you're saying, as well. Yes, it could be neck, shoulder, shortness of breath. And, and it, the, the key is if you have a symptom or something you notice when you exert yourself, if it's jaw discomfort sometimes and it goes away when you rest, bring it to the attention of the doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, what about, you know, we hear uh, a lot about the heart palpitations. I've been hearing this as, as far as that you might have with uh, menopause. How can mm-hmm. someone detect that? Is it is it something, I'm sure we should uh, touch bases always with a doctor, but is there a distinction that we can notice? Or mm-hmm. Well, there's several uh, reasons for someone having palpitation. And when we say palpitation, it could be that we feel extra beats in the heart even when we are at rest or when we are exerting ourselves. Uh, the important thing is that I always tell the, um, tell my patients, always check it out. Because it, it, the truth is, it may not even be related to the heart because there are several other things that could cause you to have these skipped beats in the heart. Sometimes it's simple things like electrolyte abnormalities. could be that you are anemic. uh could be that you have an under underlying thyroid problem that has not been identified yet, or Mm -hmm. uh, some valvular problems like mitral valve prolapse, which a lot of women sometimes have, can often lead to palpitations. But Mm -hmm. uh, first, finding out when you say palpitations what it is, and that's where the doctors can sometimes do tests to find out exactly what it is that you are feeling. Is it an extra beat? Is it an, some type of arrhythmia? And so there are certain tests that can be done to uh, to identify what exactly is happening when you uh, when someone says that they have palpitations. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what is arrhythmia? I, I, I know my mother experienced that. What is it? Mm-hmm. An, an arrhythmia is an a rhythm, an abnormal rhythm in the heart. And of course, we know the heart's made up of chambers on the top, two chambers on the top, and two chambers on the bottom. And so you can have rhythms that originate, abnormal rhythms that originate from the top of the heart or from the bottom of the heart. So you have atrial arrhythmias, and those would be things like atrial fibrillation, atrial flutter, a supraventricular tachycardia, or an atrial tachycardia. Those are all arrhythmias or abnormal arrhythmias that originate from the atria or the upper chamber of the heart. On the other hand, there could also be ventricular arrhythmias, arrhythms, abnormal rhythms originating from the ventricle or the bottom chamber of the heart. And those are the ones often that are, uh, could often cause sudden death and the ones that uh, uh, usually need urgent treatment. Wow. Now, I know when uh, we were at the event last weekend, they, they brought up, it was a community event, and it was some great points that were brought up about how much we actually know how to, what appropriate questions we need to ask our doctor when we get a blood pressure reading. Do we understand what those readings are, the cholesterol? Would you mind sharing the basics of the blood pressure and, and how sure. we can determine the cholesterol uh, reading sure. as well? Sure. I, I always like to, uh, I tell patients, it's very important to prepare to go to the doctor. What do I mean by preparing to go to the doctor? First of all, you have a list of all the questions that or things that you've noticed in your life uh, between the last visit and the coming visit so that you could bring to the doctor's attention. And the second thing is always have a list where you write down what your vital signs are. And the vitals usually things they check, your blood pressure, your heart rate, your weight. And if you've had blood tests done in, in, in between the visits, often things like your cholesterol and if you're a diabetic, uh, what your diabetic numbers are. So let's talk a little bit about numbers. <clears throat> In terms of the blood pressure, uh, blood pressure often is reported as two numbers, your systolic number, that's the number on the top, and the diastolic. Uh, Often the doctor would say your blood pressure is 120 over 80. 120 is the systolic blood pressure, and 80 is the diastolic. Uh, As a goal, uh, the blood pressure should be less than 140 over 80. If you've had a heart attack or if you're a diabetic, it should even be lower than that, 130 over 80. So writing these numbers down when you go to the doctor helps because if you know what the goal should be, based on your number, you could see if you are outside of the goal. And so if you are, you should, the next question should be, what do I need to do or how could we get this number within goal? Uh, It could mean adjustment in the medications that you already take in, or sometimes it could be things on our part, especially in African-American communities. Sometimes we take in too much salt uh, Mm -hmm. in our diet. And if we have uh, high blood pressure, uh, the salt shaker should uh, be removed from the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, It shouldn't be added to the meal. Mm-hmm. The other thing is cholesterol, and like I like to talk about cholesterol, you can talk about your total cholesterol, and the total cholesterol is made up of the good cholesterol, which is often called the HDL, the bad cholesterol, which is the LDL, and the ugly cholesterol, which I like to call the triglyceride. So again, in getting cholesterol, it should be what's your total cholesterol, and then break it down into what's the good, what's the bad, and what's the ugly, or the triglyceride. The bad cholesterol or the LDL cholesterol should be less than 130. If you are diabetic, it should be less than 100. If you have had a heart attack or if you have any kind of uh, coronary artery disease where you've had a stent, uh, you've had angina, it should be less than 70. That's the bad cholesterol. On the other hand, the good cholesterol or the one that's protective that should be greater than 45 and if we in women should be greater than 50. 
Okay. The triglyceride in general should be less than 150. Okay. Okay. Uh, as far as diabetes, the, the, the number that often they would talk about, of course, in addition to your fasting blood glucose level, that should be less than 100. The other thing often you would hear is your hemoglobin A1C. And the hemoglobin A1C should be less than 7. Okay, okay. So now with these numbers in mind, we did talk a little bit about it, and you just mentioned it, um, about the diet. You noticed mm-hmm. the distinction between your father's family and mm-hmm. your mother's family in the way uh, we ate. Mm-hmm. Today we know there's a lot of uh, processed foods. There's a lot of things um, that, that can really affect our diet. So are you saying that a lot of our heart disease can be corrected or prevented from from what we eat? Well, uh, let's. I would say that we can control a lot of our uh, risk factors by what we eat. Because you remember at the beginning I mentioned all the different risk factors. There are two other risk factors that I hadn't mentioned because those two risk factors, although they're risk factors for heart disease, they're risk factors that we cannot change. And that is our sex. Male Being male is a risk factor for heart disease. Secondly, family history. We can't give away mom or give away dad. We have to hold on to those. We can't change those two factors. But all the other factors that I talked about, high blood pressure, we can control that. High cholesterol, we can control it. Diabetes, we can control it. Tobacco use, we can cut it out. So we can have an impact uh, on uh, on these risk factors by things that we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Starting with the grocery store when we go shopping, the choices we make, uh, the foods we uh, the foods we eat, uh, the combination. So we we can have an impact. Well, that's that's so happy, so happy to know that because a lot of things that we know that are out here, we really don't know what the causes are, and sometimes, um, unfortunately, we are a family or affected by those things. But this is good news to know that we can we can control a lot of it by um, what you're saying about our diets and what we eat. Uh, well, we're going to take a short break. Uh, you, you had one other statement you want to say? Yeah, one thing I was going to uh, mention the fact that often I hear patients say well, my blood pressure is controlled, can I stop my medication? The answer to that is no, because it is controlled because of what you're doing. So uh, stopping the medication or cutting out the cholesterol medication because your cholesterol is now controlled or the blood pressure is now controlled is counterproductive. Right. Well, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the herbal part um, that you you do as well, herbal supplements uh, to heart disease, because we love that. We love that here that a lot of times we know that's not always practiced in traditional Western medicine. So anytime we can have someone that takes that approach, we love to bring that out as well. We're going to take a short break, come right back with our fabulous guest today, none other than Dr. Barbara Hutchison. Are you an entrepreneur who is always running out of time? Do you wish you had more hours in a day? My name is Rita Cartwright, and I'm a virtual assistant and owner of RJ's Word Processing Services. Start using your time wisely by outsourcing your administrative tasks to me, your virtual assistant. For more information, contact me today, toll-free at 866-651-3073, or visit my website at rjswordprocessing.com. Did you know the IRS will currently reimburse you 55 cents for every business mile you drive? Stop struggling with mileage logs and start turning your vehicle mileage into cash. TrackLog is the first comprehensive automatic mileage recording solution. Turn this small device on, easily track your mileage, and keep more of your money in your pocket. Purchase your TrackLog today at TRAKLOGG.com. That's TRAKLOGG.com. Yes, we are live guest today 
Barbara Hutchison, and you can visit her site at Saving Hearts for Generations. That's savinghartsforgenerations.org. And when we we just um, left, we were talking about how our diet can affect and how we can control um, any challenges that we might face or prevent any some of the challenges with heart disease. And also, we want to bring up the fact that herbal uh, supplements. Dr. Hutchison, what what do you mean by that, and and what do you use within your practice? Well. What I like to encourage is that a patient be a part of their medical treatment. Often people like to be able to go to the store and take something off the shelf, you know, read it and say, oh, I noticed this helps X, I'm going to try it. That's fine, but my the role that I play is to ensure that whatever they have chosen, one, it's not an abuse of their, um, uh, I shouldn't say abuse, but it's not that it's, it's not going to work or that it's not going to interact with something that they should be taking. So often I, I ask my patients, what medications are you taking off the shelf, whether it's supplements, because I like to make sure it doesn't interact with any of the medications that they are supposed to be taking. <clears throat> That's wonderful. That's wonderful that we do that. So do you suggest that, you know, when you said recording those numbers, that we should keep perhaps a journal we take with us uh, to the doctor to keep so everything can be bound and we can find it instead of just having it on a piece of paper <laughs> from, from the visit? No, it, it would be good to have it all in one place uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, in a little book uh, where you could also write down the medications that you take and even make a note of family history, allergies, all those things. And in addition to prescribed medications, always uh, list the medications that you're taking off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times, you know, we hear uh, some people say, well, I had this doctor and I really didn't, couldn't gel with him or they didn't say this. Or like you said, that one patient had five surgeries uh, on their shoulder and it was a, it was a heart challenge. What what are some of the ways or tips do you suggest for patients when in looking for a cardiologist and and uh, looking for a, a doctor that they can be comfortable with? I think the first thing is that you have to find someone that you can communicate with, and um, and communication is a two way thing. <laughs> that means you have to find someone who can listen to you. Uh, right. Because I hear that very often that patients would say, well, I'm in the doctor's office for such a short period of time, he doesn't listen to me, uh, mm-hmm. or he or she doesn't listen to me. So it has to be one whom you can communicate with. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up because as far as communicating, you said it's two ways. A lot of times I know um, sometimes we just go to the doctor and we don't ask questions. How How much of the responsibility is on us? For our health, I think a, a quite a uh, um, a lot of the responsibility because that's what I said at the beginning. That's what I meant when I say people should prepare to go to the doctor. I'm mm-hmm. often very impressed by patients who come in and they have a sheet. They have questions for me because I often have questions too. But I'll, mm-hmm. it shows me that they are just as interested in their health as I am, and mm-hmm. so I I, I welcome questions. Uh, you know, they may have read something or heard something. It uh, it helps to dispel myths sometimes. And the other thing that it does is when we can dialogue when they're here in the office is that you find you get less calls back when they get home because all they've, they wrote their questions down, they got answers, and so they everyone is happy. That's wonderful. Now, with um, all of the things that you're doing, you are also uh, the treasurer of a, just an awesome organization that I, I'm excited to have been introduced to and to be working with, and that's the Association of Black Cardiologists. What is their mission? And tell us a little bit about the 2020 initiative that you all have in place. Right. The Association of Black Cardiologists actually was formed back in 1994, and uh, this group represented the first 
organized effort by any cardiovascular specialist to really establish a forum for addressing uh, the disproportionate burden of cardiovascular and special needs in the black community. And it's made up of over 2,500 uh, volunteers, and the volunteers include physicians and what we call community health advocates. And as an organization, we believe that uh, good health is actually the cornerstone of progress, because if you don't have good health, you can't progress in life. And so the mission of the ABC is to eliminate this cardiovascular disparity through several uh, uh, through several means. One is education, uh, and not just education of community, but also education in terms of our physicians. And so we have uh, several programs. We have a Spirit of the Heart, that's a community program that's taken that's across the country in different cities. Uh, there's also a community health advocacy training program where we actually train people in the community to increase their awareness, their knowledge, and their skills for preventing and controlling all the risk factors in cardiovascular disease. In addition to education, again, research, because we try to encourage uh, African Americans to be involved in research, and finally, through advocacy. So the Association of uh, black cardiologists um, is really here to he eliminate the disparity uh, that exists in cardiovascular um, disease. Now, did, I'm sorry, did I hear you say it was started in 74 or 94? In 1974. Oh, okay, 1974. So it, this this is amazing. This organization has been around, that's what, 35, 36 yes. <laughs> years? That's yes. incredible. Now I know um we we are gonna talk about the gala that we have mm -hmm. coming up and this is it's the beginning of a fundraising campaign for your twenty twenty initiative. What, what right. is the your twenty the twenty twenty initiative uh is an effort to decrease the uh burden of heart disease by twenty percent in the year twenty twenty. And this is African Americans, and so the gala is actually the kickoff for this campaign. We call it the 2020 initiative, decreasing so heart disease by 20. Gala. Oh, oh, the oh, gala oh. is um, the gala is going to be in October the 22nd, 2010. Uh, the name of the gala is Saving Hearts for Generation. It's uh, going to be here in the Washington, D.C. area at National Harbor. Uh, at this gala, uh, uh, we hope that it would be an ongoing and annual event where we can recognize uh, individuals that uh, buy into our mission, the mission of the Association of Black Cardiologists in terms of eliminating cardiovascular disparities through either education, research, or advocacy. And this year at our gala, we have some very special honorees, um, mm -hmm. and I can share some of that with you if you would like. Please, please, yes, uh, tell us about the honorees, yes. Yes, uh, some of our honorees, the first one is of the First Lady of the United States. Most of you know that she has the uh, Obesity in Childhood Initiative. Now, we believe that obesity in childhood leads to obesity in adults, and obesity in adults uh, is uh, accompanied by several other cardiovascular problems, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. So we thought this was very great, uh, a great idea because if we can eliminate the obesity in childhood, think of the impact that it's going to have on adults. And we are applauding uh, Mrs. Obama for this initiative. Uh, another honoree is Mrs. Marion Robinson. Uh, that's the First Lady's mother, and we are applauding her, uh, honoring her as the uh, she's getting the Generations Award. Our mantra in the Association of Black Cardiology is children should know their grandparents. In other words, the child shouldn't die of heart disease at a young age, or the grandparent shouldn't die 
uh, young of heart disease. So the child should know the grandparent, and that's what we're trying to do by uh, dealing with all the risk factors. So that's why we honor in Mrs. Marion uh, uh, Robinson. Uh, some of the other honorees include General and Mrs. Colin Powell uh, for their uh, initiative in terms of the um, alliance program that they have uh, helping children too. Uh, also from this area, our own Dr. Charles Curry. He is a founding member of the ABC as well as Professor Emeritus, former Chief of Cardiology at Howard University Hospital. Uh, he has uh, been instrumental in training most of the African-American cardiologists uh, in the country, and we want to applaud him for this effort. The American College of Cardiology, or sister organization, is receiving the Spirit of the Heart Award, and they have just been very, very um, supportive of our mission throughout the, the years that we've been in existence. Several other um, uh, device and drug companies that have also helped us in our, our mission, Medtronic, uh, as well as AstraZeneca Corporation that has also helped us in several of our Spirit of the Heart programs across the country. Wonderful. The Heartbright Foundation is a foundation in North Carolina that is being very active in eliminating the, the, the disparity and also um, improving access to care. It's a clinic uh, that serves the, um, the fo uh, people in North Carolina that do not have insurance, and uh, this is we want to honor them, uh, applaud them for these efforts. And our own and Bruce Johnson oh, from the CVS uh -huh. um, Washington affiliate is going to be our master of ceremonies. Yes, and, and and you actually shared that uh, one of the doctors that's in the association was very instrumental in his recovery from, uh, I believe, his challenges that he faced with heart disease. Absolutely, um, uh, I would hate to steal his 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 thunder, as it were, because yes. he's <laughs> going to be given his story. But in essence, uh, while on the job uh, one day in the D.C. area, he he did have the uh, typical signs of uh, heart uh, uh, heart attack, the chest discomfort, and so he needed uh, intervention immediately. And our own uh, doctor, uh, the late Dr. Collison, uh, was able to take care of him in a um, short period of time. That's incredible. And you also, uh, the honorary chair is the first African-American female billionaire, uh, Sheila Johnson, who will be there as well. Absolutely. And uh, we don't want to uh, at all in any way uh, uh, minimize her appearance at the gala because we are truly honored uh, that she has agreed to serve in this capacity. That's wonderful. So this, it sounds like an event that uh, who's who is going to be there. If Absolutely. And anyone in Washington, D.C. wouldn't want to miss it. And, and, and if they're in the surrounding areas, it, it will be definitely worth a drive at the lovely Sunset Room, as you mentioned, overlooking the beautiful Potomac, Potomac. Uh, River as well. Tell us, is this open to the public? It is open to the public, uh, and the tickets are available. And there's the I think you may have mentioned the website, but I'll say it again. It's at www.savingheartsforgeneration.org, uh, and they can log on and purchase the tickets right um Online. If people are interested in getting the tickets, I certainly would recommend that they get on the ball sooner than later because the tickets are going as hotcakes, as the folks say. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. As, as we mentioned, you know, those names, those powerful names that will be there in attendance. I mean, who's who uh, truly, truly is, is going to be in attendance there. So definitely, I know that uh, you mentioned those sales are going so fast. You want to get that. You also had um, some sponsorships available for those companies. We have a lot of business owners, our audience is 
professional business owners as well who are uh, who perhaps might want to be uh, available or like to also donate. You can do that as well, or even get one of the sponsorships. Or if you are working uh, with a company that you know they would love to be in front of this awesome audience, it's over 2,500 members within the Association of Black Cardiologists. That's a lot of people to be in contact with. Uh, if you know uh, you'd like to be in that position, they can also get that information at the website as well, correct? Yes, that is uh, available okay. on the website. Mm-hmm. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, I know um, we have talked uh, a lot about uh, health care as far as the heart disease is concerned, and, and we're excited about the gala. Again, that website is savingheartsforgenerations.org. Uh, also, what is the, the website for the Association of, of Cardiologists? The Association of uh, Cardiology's website is a abcardio.org. Wonderful. abcardio.org. So, so any of the ones listeners in the audience or who are, who might be listening now or or soon to our archive uh, show, you can also go there. And you said because it's a lot of community activists. You do not Absolutely, have to be in I, a lot of people think because it's, it's named Association of Black Cardiologists, you do not have to be a cardiologist to be a member of the organization. Uh, you just have to buy into the mission because we have different levels of membership, one of which uh, is uh, the advocates that I told you about, the uh, community health advocates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wonderful. Before we move forward, we do have a question, and if anybody else has a question they'd like to ask Dr. Hutchison, again, you can dial our 347-838-9278. Our lines are packed out here. Uh, if you're on the phone and you have a question, you can also just press 1. That would let us know uh, that you'd like to be in queue for a question as well. But our chat room is live, <laughs> and uh, we have one question, which is a great one. What does Dr. Dr. Hutchison feel, or how does she feel about uh, omega-3? Mm-hmm. The omega-3 fatty acids, I recommend it for most people who, all people who have high cholesterol, I encourage them to take omega-3 fatty acids because that can help to uh, decrease their uh, their triglycerides and also some decrease in their bad cholesterol. And in addition to omega-3 fatty acids, why are we talking about non-drug uh, type of things that people can do, could use? Uh, other things would include adding lecithin to your diet, wheat germ, uh, oatmeal, again, the omega-3 fatty acids, and just enjoying fish such as sardines and salmon. Mm-hmm. That can often help. Well, that's wonderful. We're going to go to our line. I believe we have a call. It looks like it's down in Texas, a a 214-507 number. Hello. Welcome to Wealthy Sisters. State your name and where you're calling from, please. Yes, ma'am. You had it correct. This is Shannon Rice Maruli calling out of the Dallas, Texas area. Um, And I have enjoyed every bit of the information. Thank you so much for having the show. Um, Thank you. Say say hi to Dr. Hutchison before you ask your question for us. Hello there. Dr. Hutchinson, thank you very much for sharing all of your expertise and just uh, your stories. It's wonderful. I um, have two questions. Um, The first is um, if a doctor puts you on medication and it increases um, your heart rate um, for the purpose of being on medication, is is it more common, well, will it sometimes stay that same rate once the medication is, complete, or is that something that we'll need to be concerned about in the future? Now, the the, the medication that you said the doctor put you on, the heart, increase in heart rate is a side effect of the medication? Side effect, yes. Okay. It is a side effect. It is a side effect, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay, because in the heart world, we never like the heart rate to be too fast. So the first thing I would do is obviously bring that to the attention of the, the doctor. Um, and you are sure that it is the medication that the doctor started that resulted in the heart rate being fast? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, I did um, my last visit, which was Thursday. She said that is that is a common side effect. The medication is prednisone. Oh, okay, uh-huh. sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she said it was pretty common. Um, and usually once it's I stop taking, it should fizz out or go yes. back to its normal rate. Yeah, that's, that is uh, true in the sense that sometimes when you first start taking the prednisone, you could have a bump in the heart rate, and two things could happen. One, as you continue to take it, the heart rate may adjust, or if you stop taking it, the heart rate can go back to where it was before. Okay, perfect. And I, I've met a young lady here in the Dallas area, and she... She mentioned something that I thought was quite interesting. Um, is there any type of tool or resource that can help detect if you're having a heart attack um, in like the first five minutes or so? Um, I don't know if that's been, if anything like that has been, you know, evolving. <laughs> but from my understanding, it. The heart attacks, most people don't know that they're having a heart attack. Is there some type of technique or tool other than what you mentioned earlier for women, um, just the signs to pay attention to? Is there something that they can purchase at home to, to sort of give them an accurate read if they are having a heart attack? I haven't heard of that yet, but what I do, what I would say is that if you're having a heart attack, the first thing, if you have those symptoms, the first thing is obviously call 911. Do not, and I emphasize, do not drive yourself to the hospital. Have someone else drive you. Uh, often in the emergency room, the first thing they often do is an EKG. And the EKG sometimes, uh, often, if someone is actually having a heart attack, that's often the first tool that we use that can enable us to see what's going on and get them immediate help, such as trying to abort it with uh, by taking them to the uh, cardiac catheterization lab and identifying that artery that's causing the problem and opening it up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for calling into the show today. We're going to go to another caller as a 512 area code. Hello. State your name and where you're calling from, please. Uh, my name is Jeanette, and I'm calling from Austin, Texas. Well, hello, Jeanette. Hello, Jeanette. Welcome to Wealth Assistance. Well, thank you. I just I just found your show, so I've, just, I've been listening the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, have a, I, have a health, I have a myriad of health problems, and I'm the poster child for a couch potato. Okay. But uh, what I, several years ago, uh, I started having, you couldn't even call it palpitations. It was just the heart would race so much until my body would start to shake. Uh, and they put the, the monitor on you, where you, you know, they monitor you for several days. And uh, they never told me exactly what it was. They just said that what happens is even in my sleep, sometimes my heart starts racing as though I was running a marathon. And they couldn't explain it. And then it would eventually stop. And so for a while I was on beta blockers. But they had a that had a side effect of a really bad cough, a dry hacky cough that couldn't that we couldn't stop. So we stopped the beta blockers, and after a while, the the palpitation subsided. But in the last few months, it seems like they're they're coming back again, not as strong as they were originally. But whenever I ask, it's like, oh well, it's just nothing. Don't worry about it. But it literally, when I say your body just starts shaking because your heart beats so fast, my body does that. Um, uh, tell me your name again. Jeanette. Jeanette. Uh, Jeanette, one thing that I would recommend that you would, uh, could ask your doctor to uh, recommend for you, especially for your palpitation, and I hadn't touched on it earlier, but especially when you just said to me you get it at night when you're sleeping, you may want to ask your doctor to get you or send you for a sleep study. Now we are realizing that sleep apnea uh, which is a condition where while you're sleeping at night, you hold your breath, can predispose patients to having palpitations, and it's very treatable. And if you treat the sleep apnea, then in essence you've treated the palpitations. So I'd recommend that you ask your doctor to send you for a sleep study just to make sure you do not have sleep apnea that could be driving your palpitations. Yeah, we I I did. I'm gonna have to go back. They said that it was inconclusive, so we'll have to do that one again. They said. Mm, okay. All right. Well, thank you. Be thank sure you. to do that and stay tuned into our shows as we have a lot of tips on that can help you in other ways as well. Thank you for listening in. All right. Thank okay, you. Okay, we're gonna go down to Atlanta to uh, one last question here. Hello, welcome to Wealthy Sisters. 
state your Hi. name again. I know the ATL 404. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. My name is Tyra, and I'm actually calling from the Atlanta area. Um, good, good afternoon, Dr. Hutch- Hutchinson. Excuse me. Um, this is my first time. Thank you. This is my first time calling the show, and this is going to be something that I'm going to create a routine for because it's very informative. But um, my question today is, I actually suffer from anxiety attacks, and sometimes they get so bad that I think I'm having a heart attack, and I've been told to take bare aspirin. You know, that's supposed to, um, you know, kind of, I guess, do something to to keep you from going full blast or, or to um, keep you calm until you can get to a doctor. And I noticed that I'm taking bare aspirin a lot. So is is that something that I should be doing? Is that something that I should just kind of calm down? Because and, and, when I'm having the attack, I, I don't know if it's an anxiety attack or it feels sometimes it gets so bad that I think, oh, my God, this time it's a heart attack. Mm. So I take the bare aspirin. Now, when you say you're having an anxiety attack, do you have chest discomfort with it or just palpitations? Well, I it, I guess I confuse chest discomfort because I do have pressure on my chest. Okay. When I'm, My heart is just beating extremely fast, um, and I, I can't really think at that moment when it gets really bad. Mm-hmm. So I guess that I kind of confuse myself into thinking that it may be a heart attack. So in an effort to kind of slow it down, I'll, I'll take the bare aspirin, and I think I'm taking it too much. Mm-hmm. I would recommend, though, that have you uh, seen a doctor uh, for this condition? Yes, I have, but it's. I've been going to church more, and I've been thinking, okay, if I just pray on it, you know how sometimes we do um, in our community, we'll say we'll just give it to God, and that's a good thing to a certain extent. Right. You know, so for you know what, several the months, other the other thing that I've seen sometimes in women, and we, we've often, uh, when things happen to us, is attributed to either the fact that it's in our head, it's an anxiety attack, and that's why I'm, I'm really sensitive to this. I want to make sure that you have been uh, referred to a doctor who can identify exactly what it is you're feeling. Is it some kind of arrhythmia that you're having when you have that sensation, or is it your blood pressure, is it your heart rate, is it something real uh, as opposed to just attributing it to an anxiety attack. And back to the aspirin, um, if it's truly an anxiety attack, aspirin is not necessarily the best treatment for an anxiety attack. And so when you think of an aspirin, you think of an aspirin, if somebody's having a heart attack, you tell them to take an aspirin, which is what we recommend. And so what I'm confused about is that on one hand, you've been told that it's an anxiety attack. And on the other hand, you've been told to take an aspirin for it. So I would recommend that you get a full workup to make sure nothing is being missed. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, thank Wonderful. you. All right. Thank you for calling in. I tell you, Dr. Hutchison, this has just been an awesome show. We are so excited to have had you on. I know we'll have to have you back. She, again, is going to be one of the featured panelists at the Winter Summit. Make sure you get your tickets today at www.thewinnersummit.com. Uh, the Millionaire Luncheon, the tickets are only $99. There are limited seats uh, for that, and we probably have more than a third that have been sold on that. You want to take advantage of that. That's going to be March 17th through the 19th next year. Uh, And also, we know that uh, Dr. Hutchison and the Association of Black Cardiologists are hosting the first annual uh, gala, which is the Saving Hearts for Generations. You can visit the website at www.savingheartsforgenerations.org. With 60 seconds left, what would you like to share with the audience, Dr. Hutchison? The one thing that I'd I'd like to uh, leave the audience with is the fact that good health is the cornerstone of progress. Without good health, we can have all the plans in the world. We would not be able to carry them out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. That is a way to end the call. Good health is truly the cornerstone. Thank you again for everyone that has tuned in. Next week, we will be off. We are practicing balance this year, so we will take the day off for 
for the holiday, but we do want you to tune in that following week. We have Shania Davis, who's um, here in the PG County uh, area, Prince George's County, running for one of the school boards, and she's also a member of the Professional Black Woman and has a lot of great information to share uh, from her political background as well and how we can help affect change in the community. Once again, we're excited to announce the Speakers Bureau for the Professional Black Woman. Check that out at www.thepbw.com. Again, we thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Thank you to our producer, Ms. Jocelyn Harrison, for doing an awesome job in the chat room there as well. And we look forward to seeing you all within the next two weeks. Continue to have an awesome day. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by theprofessionalblackwoman.com, where success is inevitable. Join Deborah Hardhead, our host, next week as she interviews another powerful, positive, progressive, wealthy sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. See you next time.